Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Cole. Do you ever feel like maybe you're floating in a sea of selfies or double taps? Well, the last time I was by the sea was when we were whale watching. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to look at these whales and there are people cutting in front of me to take selfies of themselves mm-hmm. in hopes that they have a whale in the background, maybe giving him a little wave or something. <laughs> well, it turns out that's not your own personal experience. There are a lot of people that feel that way. Um, in a recent poll, one in five people feel like they were alone or would describe themselves as lonely. Yikes. That's a lot of people. Yes. Well, I'm excited for our convo today. Uh, We're going to explore what's going on with the decline in relationships, romance, and friendships and how to work through it. And of course, we're going to share some tips on what's worked for us. Welcome to Love Beyond Belief, the podcast that's all about real talk on relationships without the religious spin. Whether you're swiping right, planning forever, or you're already knee-deep in married life, we've got your back. Beyond religion. Beyond tradition. This this is Love Love Beyond Beyond Belief. Welcome back. I am excited to talk about our thing today. If you haven't figured it out, we're talking about loneliness. Um, Lonely. Lonely. I missed a lonely. (laughs) Um, But first... What the heck is up? What's up, Kyle? What's up, Kyle? We were in Colorado Springs recently. We went to Garden of the Gods. It was really nice. We went with our doggies. Yeah. Toast him alone. And when we were walking around, I saw a lot of couples. I saw a lot of um, friends walking together and looking at rocks. And I thought, (laughs) that's so sweet. Everyone seemed very engaged. Yeah. Very like. If you don't know what Garden of the Gods is. phone. Yeah, off day phone. <laughs> well, let's describe Garden of the Gods. What is it for people who don't know? Imagine a garden, like a botanical garden, but instead of flowers, it's giant rocks. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. It's really beautiful and they have biking trails. And we actually didn't know if we were going to pit stop there, but we saw an estate sale sign. And as you'll learn, uh, if we see an estate sale sign, we have to pull over a mandatory pullover alert. <laughs> Especially we love estate sailing in places where we don't live because you kind of get a feel of what the, the vibe is of the people who've lived there for a really long time. So this was a historic estate sale. It backed up to Garden of the Gods. There was a trail leading directly to the Garden of the Gods. So that was really fun. Yeah. So that's kind of what inspired this episode was um, I do feel like it might be a little rare to see people just out walking around these days, um, or at least I feel that way. Yeah. Meandering. At, le- at least um, at least people out doing things that aren't structured, right? Like, I mean, we see people hiking or, or mountain biking or like activities, but it just feels rare to see people just around hanging out. Being in awe of their environment. Yeah. And discussing it with each other. Yeah. So let's uh, let's unpack it. What's going on with this loneliness pandemic and what can we do about it? Yeah. So first, I think we have to establish that loneliness is not um, one feeling, right? There's different types of loneliness. Yeah. Some of them can be transitory. They can be temporary. Others can be, you know, deep rooted, perpetual feeling of loneliness, no matter how many people you're around. Right. Another thing that to keep in mind while we're talking about it today, getting rid of your loneliness or, or working on it, at least making connections with people 
Um, it can actually reduce stress and anxiety, which I know we all deal with On all the time. Daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> so um, social interaction can actually release oxytocin, which um, you can also get from things like petting a dog or holding a baby. Aww. Um, and it can reduce or serve as a buffer, at least for things like depression. Um, it, it gives you that good, warm, fuzzy feeling. You know what I mean? I definitely get that oxytocin hit looking at Tosta Malone directly <laughs> in the eyeballs every morning. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about, I guess, the three types that I wanted to, I guess, classify for this episode. So you have emotional loneliness. So that's that's that classic, like that hollow ache. You're craving conversation. You're craving someone to be around, right? Yeah. And I think that manifests in a lot of different ways. I mean, going back to your transitory response, like moving to a new city and not having an in-person deep connection with someone, no one to blow off steam with, or, you know, just within your own family dynamic, not being able to have those vulnerable conversations, being able to ask difficult questions or having theoretical conversations because we're living in the black and white. We're not able to live in the yeah. gray together and explore. Definitely. The next one I'm calling social isolation. So I think that one's kind of another classic, but that's kind of like being in a group of of people or in a crowded room and just not feeling like you're fitting in. Um, mm -hmm. It's like when you chime into the conversation, everyone just kind of looks at you. Um, <laughs> like, why are you talking? And I think that you probably feel this one most maybe when you're forced to be somewhere. So school or work, um, when you're kind of in a group that you're not necessarily connected with on a deeper level, it's like a lot of shallow conversation, a lot of face small value. Small talk. Yes, yes. Small talk. <laughs> um, and then lastly is kind of the bigger picture, I guess, which is existential loneliness, which I would say this is the one that in my opinion has really peaked in the last several years. Mm. Um, and so that's that gnawing sense of disconnection and lack of community. And that's just feeling like you truly don't fit in anywhere. Mm. Um, you, there is not a group of it's people heavy. for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt this way when I was really new to my deconstruction process. Mm -hmm. um, feeling like <laughs> was all that time spent in vain, going to church multiple times a week, praying every day, doing all of those things that embody religious um just like paying to play or like everyone has to go on Wednesday night for it to be fun yes <laughs> right and so when you stop going you know a lot of times those people or I guess when you deconstruct and people find out a lot of those people that you thought were your friends or were treating you like a friend you start to realize that actually the only thing you had in common was church yeah it's a circumstantial friendship which is like a lot of work friendships. Yeah, You'll find definitely. out. <laughs> We've definitely found that out. You know, people you're spending every day with, you feel really close to in the moment and then you leave and you never talk to them mm -hmm. again. That's true. Yeah. I think it's important to understand the different types of loneliness because you can really pinpoint kind of the ones you're going through, right? Yeah. Um, that first one could very easily be solved by just making more of an effort to call your parents or call your sister brother or, you know, um, maybe you want to, work on getting in a relationship, something like that. Whereas the last one, I think there's a lot deeper feelings going on there. And so the first step is to pinpoint which one of those you might be like categorized into. Knowing 
you're going to probably go through all of these at some point at different points in your life. So when you are feeling lonely for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. would diagnose that as chronic loneliness. Yeah, that chronic. (laughs) I got that chronic loneliness. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) you kind of feel like you're in a perpetual state of drought. Um, So when you're feeling this existential dread, it's serving as that warning side that certain social needs are clearly being unmet and the consequences are both physical and mental. And I really want to get into that because this is something that is severe. We're seeing it going on. Like you said, one in five people claim that they are feeling lonely. That can certainly have an effect on your physical well-being down the road. So let's touch on Let's touch on that. I'm not saying that, you know, if you break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, um, you're going to die from loneliness. (laughs) However, you know, some of these, um, when you get into chronic loneliness, something that you're feeling every day, that can have a total whole body effect on you. So there was actually a study that found that having strong social connections actually can reduce the risk of death by 50%. I don't know how you necessarily quantify that. (laughs) It does make sense contextually. Yeah. If you're around people who are lifting you up spiritually, physically helping you maybe financially or helping you carry the workload of just surviving every day, you're more likely to make it for a longer duration of time because you really can't be a body of one. Mm -hmm. We're not meant to be alone in this world. We're tribal at our core. It it makes sense that we would live longer if we have a strong community. Yeah, I think I talked about it in the past episode, but um, you truly are a product of your environment. And so the more people that you have looking out for you, um, the more people in your circle that are making good life decisions, the more Mm -hmm. likely you are to have a good point of reference to make good life decisions too. Um, Another fun study that I found was actually, um, you know, if you're chronically lonely, that causes depression, those causes anxiety. It's actually akin to smoking about 15 cigarettes per day. Woof. It can actually take that much toll on your health just to put it into perspective. That's a really good illustration. Yeah. I can't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then tagging onto that too, it it can also be linked um, to having a stronger immune system. So if you have a strong social circle, you're interacting with people regularly, Mm. um, it can actually boost that immune system. And I think um, one, coming out of covid we all got very aware of germs, right? We all got very aware of like what people were bringing into your home, what you were bringing home from the store, things like that. And so this one totally makes sense to me because the more people you're brushing into, the more friends you're hanging out with, the more kind of your microbiome is being messed with. And and that's actually strengthening you in that way. So um, never really thought about that before. Yeah, that's a really good study to look at. And I think kind of tacking into that for our younger generation, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, there's a protective factor in youth study that states that strong social connections, particularly at school, can act as a protective factor against suicide attempts in adolescence. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And I mean, that makes sense as well, contextually. Yeah. We, we grew up during the time when there weren't a lot of guardrails on social media, right? It was kind of the wild, wild west. I know. We were talking about that recently, yeah. like cyberbullying awareness from, you know, I feel like in schools now they're, the teachers are hyper aware of cyberbullying. Yeah, parents, there's posters on the wall. Yeah, there's posters. <laughs> parents are using it as ammo if their child is getting bullied. You know, they'll have a parent teacher conference. Yeah, um, at my school it was like, oh. 
now. Y'all be nice to each other. Okay. <laughs> hey, cut it out. <laughs> but hey, yeah. Timmy's having a hard time. I need you to cut it out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a real thing. Like people's nudes would get leaked and the principal yeah. was like, Oops. that's not my problem, <laughs> is it? <laughs> so yeah, a lot of that has progressed as far as rules around how faculty is able to address situations like that. But, you know, having a peer group that's standing up for you, I think is even more powerful than faculty having to step in and be the liaison. If you're able to solve it with your peers, you're building confidence, you're learning how to resolve conflict. And in turn, I would imagine you have a healthier frame of mind knowing that other people have your back. Yeah, hundred percent. So we've kind of talked about the different types, right? We've talked about the problem. Do you want to take a stab at what maybe caused the problem? I think you know what my opinion is. <laughs> the nuclear family, <laughs> that concept mm -hmm. is no longer in place. So what is a nuclear family? We think of the 1950s. We think That's of super hot family, like a <laughs> nuclear family. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't know if we can use that one. <laughs> so we think of Mad Men. We think of Don, Don Draper, Betty Draper, and they've got two kids. And at one point they had a golden retriever and then they write them yeah, off. And they never really <laughs> talked about what happened to that dog. <laughs> <laughs> but um or the baby little gene yeah we kind of got that baby like once every 15th episode he wasn't important don <laughs> don never looked at that baby <laughs> that was divorce baby um anyway back on track i think now you know family dynamics are a lot more mobile a lot more independent we saw that going into the 80s you have your latchkey kids you mm -hmm. have kids that are learning how to um be a tween or a teen by themselves making microwavable food. I know we would come home and instantly microwave something to eat. What were the blue crepe <laughs> dinners for kids? Kid, kid cuisine. Kid cuisine. I never had kid cuisine. Dude, they had a chocolate pudding with sprinkles on it. Did you microwave it? Yeah. I think they told you to cut it, like cut that part out. How, where would you put it? And then like on the plastic? defrost it separately, but I would just microwave it. So it was like chocolate lava cake inside. It's delicious. <laughs> so it worked out. It was, yeah, I guess. I don't know. On I was probably just eating cancer. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> we got to get that checked. <laughs> you please like tell, tell the doctors you ate kid cuisine. <laughs> like, oh, he's fucked. <laughs> but anyway, now I feel like we are pretty afraid of genuine intimacy. We build walls of carefully curated online personas instead of bridges to authentic human interaction. And what I mean by that is we are maintaining a lot of distance instead of craving closeness. So mm -hmm. I think of our generation, the millennial generation, we were very curated. And then like the younger half of the millennial generation went through that phase where it's like, yeah, we don't give a shit about our Instagram. We're going to be a little kooky. And then the next month it's like, oh no, this is my personal brand. I need to get it back on track. And we're just hot and cold, really bipolar with our online presence. That also played into how we're able to interact with other people in a real life setting. So let's say we're in a coffee shop okay, and I have a 3000 person following. I'm okay. like decently popular for a small to mid-sized town. And I see someone who clearly recognizes me, but I... I'm coming to this coffee shop at eight in the morning with a messy bun. I have a zit yeah. and no makeup on. 
I'm freaking out because I know that this person recognizes me from social media and I am not my perfectly curated self. Yeah. It creates an aura where this person might have always wanted to meet me, <laughs> which is conceited, but like you could have an interaction with this person because they kind of sort of know you based on how you're trying to be perceived, but you're closing that conversation because you're not able to be vulnerable outside of this curated persona that you've put together for your online brand. Yeah. I like to think of it because I consider myself maybe a little bit of a funny guy. Um, and I think some, oh, of my, yeah? I think some of my friends might be a little bit of a funny guy as well. Um, but it's hard to be funny all the time. And so, you know, you're sitting there in the shower and you're thinking of like the perfect tweet or the perfect little, you know, Instagram, haha, funny meme. And then when you're hanging out with your friends, it's like, you don't have that, you don't have that prep time, right? Uh, you got to go off the fly and you can't be as funny um, in those situations sometimes. You know what I mean? So you've built up this whole persona of like, oh, man, this guy should go into stand up comedy. <laughs> and then in reality, in the moment, you, you feel like you can't always deliver on stuff like that. So I think it's the same thing with looks, but it can also be based on your your personality. Yeah. Or maybe you're just having a bad day and you don't want to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, I'm tired of being funny all the time. It's hard. Don't ask him to tell you a joke. <laughs> yeah. An another um, thing that I think we've gotten from technology, and if you'll allow me to step onto my Rome soapbox for a second, you know, back in, in ancient times, in Roman times, you lived with your family, you lived with your extended family, you lived with your servants, you lived with people that worked for you, right? And that they were all in the same little house multiple houses walled off. And that's your community. That's your closest knit community. And then you're going to town and you're seeing the same shopkeeper every day and everyone's in the same spot. Some people never left the town they were born in, in Rome. And now mm -hmm. you're getting Joe from Seattle and you're getting Martha from Virginia and you're valuing those people at the same level that you're valuing people that you see every day because of, you know, social media and the interconnectedness of that. You can basically get a general idea of these people through their social media and kind of pre-screen them. What are they worth hanging out with? Mm. Before you didn't have that pre-screening. So Josh, the blacksmith, you didn't know if he was a cool guy until you <laughs> sat down and actually talked to him for three or four hours. Yeah. There was no pre-screening Josh, but there's pre-screening everyone else now. And so I feel like it's very easy to write people off and yeah. that can go both ways. You can write so many people off that you're actually alienating yourself. No one is as cool as that Twitch streamer that I like to watch or what have you, you know, that celebrity I like to follow. And then also you can feel like you're being pre-screened and mm -hmm. then that can give you the heebie-jeebies of actually introducing <laughs> yourself. Yeah, certainly. And I think we can put people on a pedestal really easily. I have a little story there. Mm -hmm. So I was... Um, very curated for a time I feel on, on Instagram. And there was another girl that I'd followed for about a year who was kind of into anime. She was into a lot of like dark photography shoots and was just a really seemingly cool person. And I thought she was gorgeous, well presented and very interesting. And she and I would communicate online for probably, you know, nine months. And I was so infatuated with her. I was like, she's the coolest. I could only hope to be even a percentage of what she is. And then she finally agreed to go 
meet with me in real life. We sat down and, you know, we had had all this correspondence Mm -hmm. over the past almost year. It was really awkward when we met in person. And I realized we don't really have a lot in common. We're very, very different people. And, you know, she's still a wonderful person. I'm not saying that. We just don't click. And if we had met, let's say, at a volunteer activity and had the chance to chit chat with one another and try to learn more about each other in an organic space, I think I would have known right off the bat, oh, this girl's really cool, but we, we just don't jive. Yeah. And I wouldn't have spent all this time building her up in my head as this godlike figure and had that comparison trap um, where I was... I felt like I was inferior to her and then I met her and I was like, oh, you're so much different than I thought you were. And I'm probably really different than you thought I was because we have these online personas that aren't necessarily true to our core inner selves. And so um, I think it's really important not to compare yourself to others to a point where you have kind of this paralysis to meet with people who you think are better than you mm-hmm. because they have more followers or they look really cool or they seem like they travel a lot. The more I've met people who do a lot of those things, the more I realize it's either overhyped or they aren't really enjoying those experiences while they're in them. They're just posting for content sake and they're not really taking in those cultural moments that they're exposed to. How do you feel? Have you ever had yeah, an experience I mean, like that? That's a good point. I think, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff, they're in bands and they obviously come off like, you know, there's still that you must be cool, like band guy on tour and you get to see the US. And in reality, like once you get to know those people, um, they're all just nerds. Like we're all just nerds. You know what I mean? But I I always held them at a higher standard than I did myself because I'm a behind the scenes guy. You know, I'm like an audio lights guy. I'm not, I'm not on stage. And so, you know, I don't have people screaming (laughs) my name on stage. Um, Even though, you know, we have the same roughly experiences um, from a social media standpoint. I just don't have that kind of presence or I wouldn't, I never had that kind of presence. So I just felt like there was no reason for me to even play that game. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I can't win. I'm not going to like force myself into a band just for some kind of Cloud. or something like that. Yeah. Another one that I just kind of thought of, um, and I think this goes back to like my Rome conversation, is that historically we stayed in homes that our families owned. We stayed in the, in the rough area and we were able to over our life slowly accumulate connections to where you basically then learn everyone in town. My mom still lives in the small town that I grew up in. She grew up in that town. Her mom grew up in that town. My mother knows everyone in that town. Okay. (laughs) Not an exaggeration. I mean, it's, it's thousands of people. She legitimately knows because they've known her. They knew her when she was a baby. They knew me was when I was a baby. Now you take us and how many times have we moved? You know, we've moved four or five, six times. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about, especially when you're in the part of life where you're renting, right. And you're renting an apartment or a house and every year your landlord goes up, you know, they're like basically forcing you out, which this is a whole conversation, (laughs) but, um, we, we were staying in an apartment right out of school and they wanted us to renew. They wanted to charge us 200 more dollars a month to renew. And I was like, no, I got to get out of here. But then at the same time, that decision, me getting out of there, I'm leaving that community and I'm basically being forced out of that community. You know, I knew the guy at the store. I knew the mailman. 
I knew all the dogs at the dog park. I knew all the dogs. The pool security. <laughs> we didn't even have to wear our bands. They'd let us in. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you build up this rapport for a year and then you're forced to either pay more money that you may or may not have or lose all of that. And I mean, that takes a toll on a lot of people, I really yeah. think. And I, I don't know if anyone really thinks about it that way, but it's true. There's value in knowing your neighbors and feeling comfortable in the environment that you come home to every day. Yeah. Ultimately, I think, you know, we can't just blame algorithms. We can't blame photo filters. Yeah. I think we have to acknowledge our role. Am I trying? Am I doing my best? Um, it's very easy to, you know, make social media this scapegoat. I definitely have done that. Yeah. Well, I think it's... I don't want to interrupt, but I think you have to ask the question before you say, I wish I had more friends. I wish I had a girlfriend. I wish I had all of these things. What are you bringing to the table? Yeah. Do you want to have a conversation with yourself? Right. <laughs> if you were, no. <laughs> <laughs> but truthfully, like really doing the inner work and yeah. saying, what would I bring to the table in a friendship? Am I the funny person? And am, am I the empathetic person? Am I the caretaker? Am I the party planner? What am I bringing to the table that would be a value add to a friend group? Why would I want to be friends with me? Yeah. And then judge that. It's just like a resume. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good point. I think um, maybe we can talk about some practical solutions or best practices now. I guess one, you have to acknowledge that you're lonely. Yes. <laughs> acknowledge that you have a problem. Acknowledge that you have a problem. Step one. <laughs> um, how do I go about that self-improvement? And obviously you will be working on self-improvement for your entire life. Yes. Um, this is just a good starting point once you've pinpointed that problem, right? First things first, don't blame yourself. Don't be mad that you tried to go up to a group of people at the bar and then there was that awkward silence like we were talking about. You know, that will happen. Rejection will happen. Yes. Eventually, like it is, you receive success <laughs> by the amount of times that you try. Ultimately, <laughs> loneliness is not you failing. It's not a personal failure. It's just a human experience. And it's something that we have to live with now. People feel just as awkward as you feel. So mm -hmm. you just have to keep that in mind. I think we constantly think um, everyone is more put together than we are, don't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. And I think it's important. I know one thing I've been working on doing since I moved here is really putting myself out of my comfort zone and joining groups that I think I would have a chance of fitting in with. Yeah. So as an example, we live in the mountains. So there was a mountain festival that gets put on every year and I volunteered to help with the kids activities. And I got to meet a lot of parents, meet a lot of young moms, which, you know, it's a goal of ours to have kids one day. And so it's nice to know what that's like in the community. And I got to meet a lot of younger people in the canyon, too, that came out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also joined a women's group that meets quarterly and we kind of move around houses and and do different crafts and journaling activities. And then I'm about to join this weekend, actually, a new mountain women's group that has journaling as well and maybe some yoga. So yeah. I'm actually very proud of you that you're doing this. This takes it, it really does take effort to put yourself out there, especially when the groups that you're going to, like most of them know each other. Yeah. They um, do. So you're like the new person. And so I'm I'm proud of you for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> 
And I will say like, it's a bit uncomfortable when you first join and like you mentioned, people know each other. So there's already kind of clicks within the group, but I found that asking people about themselves, people like to talk about themselves. Yes, That is the easiest way to kick off conversations. So I found something that really helps is for small talk situations, focusing on small talk that is intentional, trying to pull out the other person's interests and hobbies and what they do. And I don't like to ask someone what they do for work. (laughs) I, it's like, they always say at college parties, never ask someone what their major is. Um, it's the same deal in adult situations. I don't like to lead with what do you do? Because that's putting somebody in a box, putting them in a kind of a class hierarchy. Um, I want to know that person for them. And I, I feel like people respond to that more genuinely than a what do you do for work conversation? Because then it puts them in the headspace of work, which most people don't enjoy. So trying to focus on things like, do you garden? How long have you lived here? Why did you decide to move here? So I call this, you can small talk, but don't talk small. Mm. So that's kind of my philosophy on this, where in my opinion, talking small is like making the subject so small that you can't really go from there. One of the examples is sports, television, you know, music. Um, and as far as like enjoying all of those, not playing sports, because definitely talk about it if you're a football player or, or a musician. Um, but when the only connecting thing is that your eyeballs uh, rested on something that their eyeballs rested on at one point in time, where do you really go from there? Versus, you know, you get someone talking about their hobbies, what they create, what they bring to the table you can very easily spin that or learn from them. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do, especially with like older men for me Yeah, is they have gotten 20, 30 years into some hobby that I'm into. And I literally just want to go over there and learn because it's like free schools. And they love teaching (laughs) you. They love telling me about what they do. Everyone does. Everyone loves talking about themselves. Yeah. And it's a quid pro quo situation, you know, like when you're putting yourself in that situation, not only are you learning about that person, but you're learning more about the community that you're trying to be a part of. They might give you an awesome restaurant recommendation. You go next week at your next meetup, you tell them what your experience was like. That's a new kind of shared experience with the both of you. Yeah. And while you're at that restaurant, (laughs) try talking to the waiter, try talking to the barista, try talking to the bartender, talk to your mailman. You know, like these people live in the same community that you do. They can be pathways to a larger group of pre-established friends and they're bored. Like <laughs> They want to talk to you. Talk to you. <laughs> like when we went to one of our local breweries here, we were talking to two of the, the bartenders mm-hmm. and it turns out they were both from our hometowns, yeah, <laughs> which it seemed like such a coincidence, but you know, they were telling us their origin story. They had lived here about five years longer than us and we got a lot of good tips from them. So Yeah. Like we would never have had that common shared experience if we hadn't opened ourselves up and been vulnerable. Another good tip is to actually use technology, right? Um, We were shitting on it earlier, but um, (laughs) it is a tool. It's just how you use it, right? So um, we have a friend here originally was from New York. And I guess in New York, it's very common to use, you know, Facebook meetups. Bumble meetups. Right. Things like that. Um, We had never really had experience with that before, but it 
that seem to be very common in New York, which makes sense because it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of event city, event city, <laughs> young professionals moving from all over the country and they want to make friends. Um, she's had a lot of success with that, with just literally saying, yes, I'll go to a random event online. And I would say most of her friends, you know, end up coming out of that or the gym. So yeah, um, it's a really great tool. Eventually though, you know, when you're joining communities, joining discords and Reddit groups, things like that. You really do have to eventually take it into that real world. Take that next step. Take the leap. Like the story you said, you know, people can very easily put up a, a front online. hundred um, percent. You got to look at each other's flaws. You got to be in the same room together to, to really, truly get to have value from that. Yeah. Assess if it's a real friendship. And I think something encouraging I saw, I would say join your local city uh, Reddit page. Mm -hmm. One of our local cities, there was just a person who said, you know, I'm in my late 20s. I see a lot of people who are in their late 20s, early 30s who are saying they've moved here and they don't have any friends. So I'm putting together this bar meetup and this is the color shirt I'll be wearing. I'm arriving at this time. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a first date situation. And there were so many people saying, oh, my gosh, you know, me and my husband just moved here. We'll be there. Can't wait to meet everybody. I'm sure it's going to be awkward and weird. Who knows? It might be really fun and you might meet your best friend out of it. So I know we met our best friends here from a blind date, essentially. Yeah, a friend blind date of couples. <laughs> yes. My coworker said, oh, my friend coincidentally lives 15 minutes away from you. Why don't you guys meet up? And we did. And that was very outside of you and I's comfort zone, especially yeah. your comfort zone. I feel like, you know, it's tricky with couples because you both have to get along. So it's uh, kind of an extra bag of... Uh, it's just a probability of that happening yeah. is low, especially for me. I do. I mean, I do struggle. I know we're making this episode about how to make friends. It is the thing that I struggle with the most, if we're being honest. Um, I have a lot of acquaintances that I can talk to for five or six hours. Um, I don't have a lot of people that I would go on a camping trip with. <laughs> so I'm working on that. And that's something that I learned coming out of college, which I think we can get into that next, you know? Yeah. Um, most of my friends, I got by doing things with them, right? So it was either class or an organization, things like that. I found that without that structure, it's very hard for me to make friends because what I value in friends, you don't always see at a coffee shop. You don't always see those values when in they're the walking wild. down the street, right? <laughs> um, but you would see them doing art, an art class together. You know, you would see their sense of humor. You would see things like that. And so I would say most of my friends that I had like came out of art school. Well, you said one of your closest friends was someone who you saw them in class browsing a Reddit page that you were also on. <laughs> yes. My, my, one of my close friends and ended up being roommates was on one of the same Reddit communities, like a fashion community that I am in. And it's a very small community. And so I like saw his computer. He was sitting in front of me and I waited around after class and had that whole awkward thing where I was like, hey, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at your, yeah, your I browser. I was definitely looking at your screen. Um, but I think we'd be good friends. 
and it ended up working. You know what I mean? Um, another one of my good friends, I actually was in art class with him. I had just gotten a tattoo and he like pulled up his shorts and his entire legs. He tattooed himself um, with like a ballpoint pin machine. Gnarly. And so <laughs> then we ended up being like best friends for a time. My point of all this is that I find unstructured relationships really hard. Um, so if you're a person that is like that person that's like me, you might want to structure your life a little bit more. So look outside of your hobbies, look outside of the gym, maybe take a cooking class, maybe take an art class, painting with a twist or whatever, <laughs> something where you're going to be in a room with these people for a few hours and you can kind of get that feel and kind of weed out based on, you know, how everyone's interacting with each other. I found that very useful for me. Yeah. So I think though, when you talk about not having as many friendships right now, maybe your breadth isn't as large, but your depth, I think is yeah. a lot more meaningful. Definitely. That's super important because when we were first together, you were actually the initial person that told me I needed to evaluate my relationships on a friendship basis because I am pretty extroverted. <laughs> it was like impossible to get on your calendar. Yeah. Even as your boyfriend, it was like, Hey, what are you doing in three and a half weeks? Because you have dinner dates every single night with your girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was always doing something, whether it was with an organization yeah. or just catching up with old friends that were in town, whatever it was, I was doing something. Um, I was always volunteering my time either to an actual organization or to people. Mm -hmm. And what you kind of had a, like a come to Jesus moment with me <laughs> <laughs> where you were like, do you even know this person's middle name? Like, do you know anything substantial about them? How many siblings do they have? What are their goals? What are their aspirations? Have you told them personal things about yourself and how did they react to that information? Was it beneficial or was it dismissive? Yeah, or just do you feel filled up after you leave hanging out with them? Because yeah. I think there were a few friends that you had that you would hang out with them and then you would come back to me and you're just like, you know, the whole time we were together, she was just complaining about X, Y, and Z, like boyfriend or job or whatever. I mean, it's cool that they're willing to vent to you, but if they don't actually ever make you feel good and mm -hmm. you're just there as an emotional pillow yes. to be punched, I think that's a problem. <laughs> I was an emotional pillow. <laughs> I have one of those faces where I will walk into a grocery store and an old woman will just start telling me about, you know, how horrible her husband is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, gotta go. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I worked really hard post-graduation to dwindle my relationships down to a circle of people that I felt like it was a quid pro quo situation. We were building each other up. We were really doing life together. And that was, that was really impactful for me. And it was hard when we moved here and I lost that whole community because old world, you know, I could walk downtown and I would see at least yeah. at least two or three people that I knew and I'd have conversations and catch up with them. And then you move here and Starting all over. I have still never gone to the grocery store here and ran into somebody <laughs> that we knew. <laughs> I ran into our male lady. Uh, Aww, <laughs> that's it. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Which I have a good rapport with. And we I'm do. proud of that because yeah, I've really been looking at these, you know, 
people that work around us in a different light in the last few years. Yeah, they are our community. Yeah, they are your actual true community. And especially working remote, like they are our physical touch points. (laughs) (laughs) I need to talk to someone today. (laughs) Um, Focusing on quality over quantity has been really important the older we get. An example of that, I about two-ish, two and a half years ago, I decided I was going to delete all my social media. I physically deleted all my accounts except Instagram. And I basically just made a post that was like, hey, I'm leaving for a long time. (laughs) Um, Bye-bye. If you you want my (laughs) phone number, just message me. You can get my phone number. We can still remain in contact. And, you know, out of hundreds of followers... I probably got 10 people maybe that reached out to me. I mean, obviously a lot of those people already had my number, but I guess it just goes to show that there was this gray area of like people that I was already texting and then hundreds of people that I didn't have their phone number. I had never texted before. Mm. And then I'm saying I'm leaving. And then they're just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to talk to you ever again, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I'm not bitter about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was eye opening, though. I I do wonder if if people want to take this experiment with me. I you know, it is just interesting. It's kind of your Tom Sawyer moment where you get to watch your own funeral (laughs) and see who shows up and who says nice things about you. It feels a little bit like that because you start realizing that, you know, every time so and so would post, I would comment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like we were building something or whatever. In reality, that might not have meant so much to to them because, you know, they're okay never talking again. Um, so it really shows you, I think, who values you and then who you should value. And I kind of did the slow you did, fade. You did a <laughs> slow fade fairly recently. I did. Yeah. So I stopped posting for about six months. And during that time, I had friends of mine reach out to me and ask me, are you doing okay? Mm-hmm. Is your marriage okay? <laughs> Are your dogs okay? (laughs) Because I used to post every day. If you leave Instagram, it means that you're you're dying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And I would I would text these people back that you know I don't live around them; they can't physically see me. And I would send them pictures of what we've been up to, and you know, share a little summary. We've been DIYing this room, blah blah blah. They didn't really text back much (laughs) because I think they were surprised. Like, oh, your marriage is fine. You're not ill. Like, okay, all good. Cool. Just curious. Yeah, checked in. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. It's it's kind of funny because like doing it that way, it feels like almost a pen pal, right? It's not real time. (laughs) It doesn't live forever. It's like you send a little thing. I send a little thing, but it's really eye opening to see how people are actually very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. They don't want to see your little highlight reel via text. They yeah. want to see it via Instagram. They want it to be non-personal, which yes. I think Ooh, yeah, that's the a good first, way to put the it. first thing in this show we talked about was that we create walls around each other. Yes. So like you're way happier looking at photos of someone that is on a platform that other people get to look at But for some reason, when they send you that same photo, you're like, this is really weird. Why are you sending me that? Like, that (laughs) makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to see your dog via text. I want to see it via story (laughs) (laughs) only exclusively. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then I had talked to you about the goings on there Mm -hmm. and how it made me feel. I was like, I also want to 
take you up on this challenge because Cole, I feel like has had a lot of time over the past year and a half, almost two years now, right? Yeah. Gosh. I've actually, I think I've gotten smarter. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not even making a joke. Like I've kind of replaced social media with reading, Yeah. which I realized I had really let slip. I mean, look at your screen time, y'all. It's crazy. Yeah. It'll track it for you. If you're doing, <laughs> you know, like even two hours a day, that's two hours you could be reading or listening to an audiobook or a podcast that's giving, adding value to your life. Yeah. Um, I, I just realized that in three years, four years, I actually hadn't been doing any of the hobbies I was, that I enjoy. Mm. Um, I hadn't read in several years. Um, I hadn't made music in several, several years. Um, and I was just filling all that time with like micro entertainment, which was just, you know, I mean, y'all know, but, um, I <laughs> guess explain social media <laughs> to them. <laughs> taking that away and then looking at this giant chunk of time, which was being cut up into 15, 20 minutes. Now it's like, I got four hours. Yeah. What am I going to do with that? I can do anything. I can act. That's actually enough time to actually do something. Yeah. So I mean, we get off work and we just like run in circles. We're so excited. <laughs> it's very empowering. <laughs> so I've been off of it since November, since my birthday. Um, it's kind of my birthday resolution to to get off of it. And I will say the first two weeks were really challenging for me emotionally because I didn't have that touch point. And I felt, especially, you know, being isolated up in the mountains, still being semi-new to the state. I mean, we have amazing friends here now, but not the breadth of friendships that I had when we were in Texas and not being connected to my old core group of friends, I think was really challenging. But, you know, now I feel like I am making an effort to text people and send them those weird little picture updates and be like, photo dump via text. This is how I'm doing. Hope you're doing good. Here's a little voice memo. I saw this plant at Home Depot <laughs> and it reminded me of the one that we had together in college. Yeah. We also started doing Christmas cards, like yeah. physical Christmas cards, things like that. Yeah. It's, it's just, this is nothing new. People have been doing it for hundreds <laughs> of years. It just feels so alien. It feels Some, antiquated. Somehow. Yeah. But it's also sweet. It's sweet. It's super sweet. And also I will say the amount of time now that I think about what I want to do instead mm -hmm. of what people would want me to do or how I should be based on. Yeah, I don't want a Stanley cup. <laughs> Stop trying to sell me a Stanley cup. I do not want one. Okay. I don't want the squishy thing. The little, the little. What is the squishy? The squishies. What's the squishies? You've seen the squishies. What is it? No, what are you talking about? I have no idea. The squishies. Like what? Like, like the stuff, the plushies, but the they're like big. Okay. That's on your I'll algorithm. Show you later. That's your algorithm. What the? <laughs> the point is, I don't want it. <laughs> I'll decide if I want it. Okay. <laughs> Ultimately, like we talked about some options, right? There are more. There also might be less, depending on <laughs> if you're uncomfortable with all of these. Um, it's there's really no true one size fits all. There's just trial and error. Yes. It's uh, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And, and don't be afraid of rejection. Yeah. You're going to get rejected. Pretend one day that you're Jim Carrey and you have to play Yes Man <laughs> and just see what happens. If nothing else, you'll have an amazing story to tell. <laughs> like that's the thing with rejection. You have to just laugh. It's not meant to be. You're not meant to be friends with this person. Uh, so it's a good story now yeah. for your future friends. Above all, put yourself first. Yes. Self-care, be kind to yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. 
Um, really love yourself. This is not something that can switch overnight, right? Yeah, it, it takes work. It's going to take work. I guarantee that every step of the way, there's something to celebrate, right? Yes. Every friend you gain, that's special. Friends are special. There's going to be a very similar episode about this with dating in mind. We'll probably have independent episodes about different styles of dating. We're going to talk about apps. We're going to talk about blind dating. We're going to talk about speed dating. We're going to talk about courtship. Oh, yes. Um, so this is just a general one for our second episode ever. I hope you enjoyed it. I think it's laying the groundwork, though. You got to yeah. love yourself before anyone can love you. Touch grass. Make sure to go outside and touch grass today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you later. See you later now. Okay, see Okay. You. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Nice to see you here and we'll see you later. I'm so glad we're friends. See you later. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Your support means the world to us. Thank you to our sponsors and advertising partners for helping to make this show possible. A special thanks to friends of the show, Odd Folks. If you like their music, you can find them on Spotify. All research and production of the show was done by your host, Cole and Lindsay. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy. This was a Beyond Belief production, okay?